I think there are 48 in the Psalms. In the Psalms there's a lot. I think there's, there's 30, there's 28 in the Psalms and there's 34 in two books in Isaiah. So in two books there are 62 prophecies of the coming and the advent of Christ. In these two books alone, the Psalms. And you remember when those two were on the road to Emmaus and, and they said, and they you know, they'd seen what had happened at the cross and they said, we thought that this man would have redeemed Israel, speaking of Christ. They thought. And Jesus said to them, oh, slow fools and slow of heart to believe all that Moses, the prophets and the Psalms had said about Christ. You know, everything in the word of God, in the spiritual kingdom, is hidden from the carnal eye. The carnal man and woman cannot see what is in the spiritual because he needs spiritual eyes to see it. So the only way you can get spiritual eyes is to get to read the word of God and believe that this word is speaking to you. And then when you bow down, as it were, as we said, you know, when we say about Moses, when he stood before that burning bush, he could have walked off, but he listened. And he said, take your shoes off. This is holy ground. So when God is speaking to you, it's holy ground. You better take what you set off yourself, as it were, and understand that God is speaking to you. So give it all your attention. Because if you don't, you'll miss what God is saying. And you'll miss the opportunity to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church, like you. Because faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. The question I ask you, and I ask the Lord is, how was it that a 17-year-old girl who was engaged to a man should be chosen to be the person who would carry the, the Messiah? And you, I just read to you all the titles that Gabriel announced to Mary and said to her that this child would be. I mean, the whole thing is absolutely fantastic. It's just beyond a 17-year-old girl that had believed, that had been brought up quite obviously in the things of God, had read the Torah, had read Isaiah, understood Isaiah, uh, the Psalms, the prophetic element of Christ in the Psalms, and of course a tremendous book of Isaiah with all these different prophecies of his coming. How do you become a person how do you become a person that is highly favoured? How do you become a person that God said to Mary, thou hast found favour with God? Mm -hmm. Do you think it's possible that you and I could find favour with God? Amen. See, the gospel's gone to everybody. Doesn't it? 
but it's how you approach the gospel. It's how you, how you, your attitude towards Christ would depend upon whether the Holy Spirit will work in your heart to say to you, well, this is what the gospel is all about. Because there's much more to the gospel than just you getting a ticket to heaven. And maybe if you think it's going to get a ticket to heaven, maybe you won't get to heaven. You know, this whole question about favour. Why did Noah find favour with God? Read about it. Find out. And do you know the question I felt the Holy Spirit saying to me, are you a person that pleases me, the Lord said? Does your life please me? Is there things about your life that doesn't please God? That God loves God loves you, but he doesn't like you so, so much. <laughs> Hmm? Do you know the Holy Spirit said to me, I don't like that about you. I said, Lord, I repent. You've got to be careful. Do you know your life continuously is under appraisal? As it 2 Chronicles 16 9 says, the eyes of the Lord run to and through the whole earth. To look at those persons whose heart is right or perfect before him. Mm. Isn't it? Why did God choose David? Mm. The eighth child. Mm. Why did God say about Daniel, you are greatly beloved? Why did God choose Paul on the road to Saul on the road to Damascus? Why did he knock that man down? Why has God chosen you? Do you know we've been called into a tremendous thing, the gospel? You know, you, you listen to these words here. She says. You should bring forth a son, and he gives the name Jesus, which is Joshua in Hebrew, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Same name as Joshua, isn't it? Mm -hmm. And he should be great, he should be called the son of the highest, and the Lord God shall give him the throne of David, he shall reign over the house of Jacob, you know, it you said Jacob, it didn't say Israel, Jacob. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's something, when you see Jacob, the God can see what you're like. He sees exactly what you're like. You might look in the mirror and think you're wonderful, but you're Jacob. But thank God you've been changed to Israel if you're born again. But you're in a process. You know what the old great Puritan preachers said about the state of recovery? The state of grace, rather. They called it the state of recovery. Well, I know a few people here that have repaired houses and recovered them. 
I have done it somewhere where I'm going on Monday. <coughs> and it takes some doing recovery. It costs a bit. And I tell you what, I'm in a state of recovery. I'm not quite what I should be, but thank God I'm being recovered. That's grace. God looks at you, justification looks at you, because you're covered by the righteousness of Christ, and you're accepted because of, righteous, of the righteousness of Christ. But your sanctification is quite another thing. Your recovery is quite another thing, because it takes time for you to be recovered, to be conformed to the image of Christ. And certain things will surface in your life, and you think, well, you're going along really fine now. But then something crops up and something comes to the surface that you didn't know was underneath. But God is bringing to the surface to deal with it, to sanctify you, to get rid of it. And some of us have got a real problem with ourselves. As I tell you, I've had quite a problem with myself. But thank God, he's never let me go. He's never let me go. Now, the extraordinary thing about this is, to me, about this, about Mary, is her response. Her response is so remarkable to me. I know we, in the Protestant side of the church, we have sort of tended to keep away from Mary because the Catholic has so exalted her above, you know. But she is an extraordinary woman. Got to be. Because she says, at the end of all this, she says, um, how shall this be? And the angel answered, the Holy Ghost shall come upon you, and the power of the highest shall overshadow you. And therefore also the holy thing which should be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. The power of the highest shall overshadow you. Do you know when you're in a meeting, a Holy Ghost meeting, and you feel the power of the Holy Ghost? That is the power of the Holy Ghost coming upon your life to change you. It's to change you from what you are into Christ's image. So that when you speak, it's not you speaking, but it's, the, it's Christ in you that's speaking. So the power of God can flow out of you, so what you say to somebody will come from the throne and it will change that person. Yes, it's true, yeah. mm -hmm. And this is what we need. We need Holy Ghost men and women filled with the Holy Ghost. Yeah. Well, when she got empowered, she bore this seed. Now, what is this seed? You see, we, we've got these preachers today who keep comparing law and grace. Look, it's not law and grace. Grace was set up when Adam fell in Genesis 3.15. I'm going to give you a seed. Yeah. Well, this is the seed. Yeah. This is what this woman believed. Mary believed. She could carry the seed. Do you believe you can carry the seed? Do you believe you could be a carrier of Christ, the seed, through the power of the Holy Ghost? Do you believe that you could be born and quickened and have Christ in you, the hope of glory. Because if you could, you walk about a different person. You wouldn't look at yourself. You look at Jesus and you keep looking at him. Yeah. Do you know this man is an extraordinary woman? 
The more you think about it, the more extraordinary it is. At 17 something, she was only 14, I doubt it, probably 17. That's a very young age to get a lot of understanding about the gospel. So what did Mary believe? She believed the gospel. Genesis 3.15 is the gospel. It's called the proto-evangel. This is what Abraham believed. Ten generations left. Suddenly a man actually believed he could conceive a seed that would bring Christ into the earth. And here's another woman of the seed of David. You notice, she's in the household of David, Jesse. What did David believe? He believed in that seed. That's exactly why he was such a man of God. Look, he made some mistakes. Think about all the good things David believed. Think about the tremendous insight that man had to the glory of God. He said, blessed is the man whose sins have forgiven and his transgressions are covered. He understood the gospel. How was it he could stand before Goliath and defeat that man? Because he was the seed that was anointed. The power of God came upon him. The Holy Ghost came upon him and the oil was put upon him. Wasn't it? He was anointed before he went to God. And I believe, you know, we've got to get a conception that these things don't really matter. We're now locked into something of the kingdom of God. And you notice this this strong statement that that the angel says to her, and the angel says, The holy parallel holy shall be born of thee. And he says, He shall be great, shall be called, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And this is the statement, and his kingdom, there shall be no end. That is a fantastic statement. You're in a kingdom that's never going to end. You're part of a heavenly kingdom. Well, this woman, she believed the gospel. She believed, see, so if you can receive this word, this, this, this word, the word of God, Paul says, is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. But you've got to hear it, you see. See, a lot of people think that the Old Testament is history. No, it's not history. It's got some history in it. It's God speaking to us. It's Jesus speaking to you. You can't relegate the Old Testament to the past. I mean, now, and this is a problem with the grace movement. Look here. The law only came alongside grace to define what sin is. So no man can say, it's all right for me to be like that. And God says, he's written it down. It's not all right to be like that. And as Paul says, and Peter says, be ye holy for I am holy. See, the whole problem for us is this this sanctification business. You know, God got them out of Egypt. He put them in the wilderness to shut them up. But he couldn't shut them up. And they kept saying what they felt. I feel this and I feel that and, and I'm thirsty and I'm this and I'm that and, I'm a, and, and you brought us out here to kill us. It's, after doing all those mighty signs and wonders, if God brought them out to kill them, do you think he would have brought them out there? He'd have left them in Egypt to die, wouldn't he? 
Now this is the mentality of the flesh, yeah. the carnal man, yeah. because he's not seeing what's in the Word of God, which is truth. And Jesus says that truth will set you free. Yes. You see, it's, you know, Satan is going to challenge every step you take. Do you know that? Oh yeah, he's going to challenge you. He wants to stop you entering into the fullness of everything God's got for you. He'll try and stop you this way, the other way. He knows your weakness. So that's why you need to keep close to the Lord. You know, Mary, this was an extraordinary thing, wasn't it, really? Because she was only engaged. And now she's with child. And then she's got a chap he's engaged to. And he was going to put her away, if you read the story, Joseph. And then he gets an angelic revelation. Doesn't he? He gets a visitation. Well, I've never had an angelic visitation, but I'd like one. But I, I know we've got the word of God. You know, some things are special. And this is special, isn't it? And I was thinking, you know, she got married to this bloke and had Jesus. And she must have looked at this child and thought, is this child, this baby, is he really the son of God? This baby I'm nursing? Imagine it. This baby I'm pushing in the ground and changing the nappy and bathing. Is this Jesus really the Son of the Highest? Is he really the Messiah, the promised seed that the hundred over a hundred scriptures have prophesied? And am I really the woman that's holding this child? <laughs> Do you understand what you've got? Christ in you? Do you really understand what you're carrying? I tell you, it's hard for us, isn't it? Because we're beset by all sorts of things, aren't we? But this woman never failed. What impresses me about Mary, she never failed once. Do you know what good thing about Mary? She kept her mouth shut. She never said a word to anybody. I don't ever read much about Mary till we come to the marriage in Cana. Do we? A lot of people, well we know from the Gospels that they said about Jesus, he was born in, you know, out of wedlock. He bore this stigma. She bore this stigma all her life that she carried this child before she was married. He was conceived before his marriage. You think about it. Do you know there is a there's a reproach to the gospel? There's a reproach to bearing the seed of promise. Yeah. Even in the church. Isn't that? The anointed ones are generally persecuted, aren't they? When misunderstood, aren't we? Do you know what Jesus says? You'll have to pause it, you have to go without the pamp, bearing his reproach. 
I don't like it sometimes when I feel when people see something in me that they think that they haven't got and why haven't they got it and they're jealous. They're jealous. Do you know, one of the most cruel things is jealousy. It's shocking in the church. But God favours who he chooses to favour. God chose Mary. I don't know why I heard the gospel and I got chosen. But I thank God, he's ch- and if you're a child of God, he's chosen you. But you know what it said, Jesus says? He said, many are called, but few are chosen. Why? Because their approach is wrong. But when the Holy Spirit comes to them, they don't, oh, I'm too busy. I've got this, I've got that, I've got the other. I can't lay this down for you, Christ. Because to me, this is more valuable than you, Jesus. Wow. There is nobody more valuable than Jesus. He must be number one. Jesus said, you better you lose your everything you've got and save your soul. Isn't that right? We have to make a choice. When you know Mary could have... Do you know what is extraordinary to me? I don't think Mary could have been... You know, you think... And what astounds me is, you read the prophecies in the Old Testament, and you read Isaiah 9, it says, a virgin shall conceive. Had the church and God's people got any idea that God would choose a girl of 17, and Gabriel from the throne of God would come and speak to a girl of 17 and say, this is how the Messiah is coming? You've got no conception. Do you know people trying to work out the second coming? They got it all wrong. There's books and books and tapes and tapes and half of it's just a load of rubbish. Because Jesus is going to come. But the fact of the matter is, are we like Mary? When he comes with that word, are we ready? (laughs) And you know, as I read this, I think, Lord, help me. Help me to understand the gospel. Help me to grasp it. Do you know, what astounds me is really what I would call the courage of Mary. It took courage, Mary. It took real courage for her to accept everything that came from heaven. Look, she wasn't stupid. She knew that she wasn't married. She was only engaged. And as soon as that, and it's come to me that as soon as that word came to her, something started to happen. It didn't happen at once, but in the due time it came and she went and hid herself with Elizabeth and she her cousin. She didn't go blabbing around the neighborhood saying, do you know the other night I had a visitation from Gabriel? Is think about how important I am. Oh no. She went and told nobody. 
Do you know when you get something from heaven, you better shut up and keep it to yourself. <laughs> Wasn't she wise? Wasn't she favored? God knew. See, God chooses who he will. He sees the heart. He sees your heart. You might put on a good show. You might say, well, you know, I should be the one. <laughs> you know, Adonijah, David's son, thought he should sit on the throne after his father died. Adonijah did. And Joab said, well, I don't approve David's affair with Bathsheba. And I heard that he's going to put his son Solomon on the throne. I don't think that's right. So, Abatha, you come to me and we'll start working a, a scheme now. And we'll get a lot of people to back up Abatha so that that Solomon doesn't sit on the throne. But he wasn't a God thing, was it? God wasn't behind it. He hadn't found favour with God. And no matter what you think about Solomon sitting on the throne, <coughs> God was behind it. You know, Irene and I have asked the Lord many times, what on earth was that all about? You know, certain things we we can't. But you know, this is a, this is this is it. If you ask for something, you shouldn't ask for, and you keep on asking God for it, and God gives it to you. It'd be better that you hadn't asked for it, because the end product of it is Solomon. <laughs> This is why the first fruits are so important. This is why giving God the glory is so important. This is why Jesus is your king. He's your mediator. You don't need another king. Do you? I thank God for every ministry. I mean, I listen to ministers that are successful and powerful, and I listen to what they say. But I don't get my words from them. I get my words from heaven. I read the word of God. Yes. You've got to get a word yourself from heaven. Don't you understand that Jesus is not only a king, he's your high priest. He wants to minister to you. He's your mediator. And he sent the Holy Spirit to show you he's your mediator. And he wants to speak a word into your life. So if you've got a need, as I said last night, don't go to the phone, go to the throne. But this Mary must have been a completely dedicated servant of God. You don't mean to tell me God to choose some old and, well, I won't say the word, but he chose somebody whose heart was right and was looking for the, the first advent of the Messiah. To those that look for him, shall he appear. Isn't it? Yeah. Are you looking for Jesus? 
or you're just looking for something else to satisfy you. You know, I am said to be in the middle of the night. She said, you know, when Jesus died on the cross, she said, he said, I thirst. Remember they gave him a sponge of vinegar and gold. He didn't take it. Do you know he took the thirst that the enemy wants to put in your life and he took it, that thirst that's wrong for you and put it on the cross Amen. so you don't have to drink it. Because if you drink it, it will kill you. Yeah. It will kill you. Jesus took all our opposition, all our iniquities, all our sins. And here was a woman that believed the gospel and said, Be it unto me according to thy word. What a big statement that is. That's what you and I have got to say. We've got to have the courage, no matter what we're in, whatever our failings are, whatever we tripped over all our lives, and we can't seem to get over. We've got to say, Lord, I believe you're Lord in this situation. Be it unto me according to thy word. And it will work. And this Mary had this tremendous privilege. Did you notice she never said a word? She detached herself from everybody. She never told anybody. Do you know, I think the only people that knew that Gabriel appeared to her was Joseph and Elizabeth. I'm convinced of it. Only three people knew what this was. And do you think about it? She had to bring this up. And many people think that Joseph was a lot older and he died and he ran that carpenter's shop after his father. And of course, she had other children. Because we know James. James was his half-brother, wasn't he? the leader of the apostles in Jerusalem. And James, um, and, and, and he wrote the book of James. Uh, and you've got to understand that this whole, what amazes me about Mary, she did what God said, and she never said anything else, because that was her calling. She was there to carry the Christ. But what struck me at the wedding and the marriage of Cana, and they had nothing, you know, they were running out of a disgrace, of course, in Eastern culture where you'd have no wine and all that, and they were in trouble. But she knew that Jesus could answer that need. She lived with Jesus 30 years. <laughs> she knew what Jesus could do. And you've got to be like Mary, you've got to know what Jesus can do for you. Because if you live with Jesus and Jesus lives with you, nothing shall be impossible. That's what he said to him. What did he say then? Nothing shall be impossible. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. Well, how do you come to that place? It comes through union. It comes through communion. It comes through fellowshipping with God each day. And as you fellowship with God each day, you're going to get revelation. See, the gospel is not just information. The gospel is not just intellectual. The gospel is revelation. 
Mary had a revelation of how the first advent was going to happen. She had no idea it would be born. But she was expecting Jesus because she believed those hundred plus prophecies. You notice the circle she was in. Zachariah, Elizabeth, probably Anna, another priesthood, Simeon, another priesthood. They were looking, it says, for the consolation of Israel. Yeah. You've got to understand that you're in something. The gospel is so big, it's going to take over the whole world. The enemy wants you to forget what you have in Christ, to bring his dainties onto your table, to destroy you. Somebody said, the devil has weapons of mass destruction. And he does. Don't play with the devil because he's into mass destruction. You can see his time is short. You can see what's happening in the world. He's getting very angry, the devil, because his, his lease is nearly up on this planet and suddenly Jesus is going to appear the second time. Yes. Oh, he's coming back. And Peter says there's going to be a sudden big bang. The planets are going. The solar system's going. The earth is going. So I don't know how they're going to build a new temple in Jerusalem. I just don't know where that comes in. <laughs> <laughs> it's all imaginary. No, it's going to be a big bang. And suddenly there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. Do you know Jesus is not it all planned? But I can you be in on the plan like Mary and get highly favoured from God? Because if you can get highly favoured like Mary, you're going to know what's going on. You're going to hear from heaven. It's all a question of like putting Jesus first. You might think you need this, need that, need the other. No, you need to get in order. You need to start praying. You need to start waiting on God. And then you'll start to hear God. <laughs> and when you start hearing God and the Holy Ghost comes, I mean, she must have had a tremendous encounter with the Lord that day. I've had a few encounters with the Lord, and it's glorious, isn't it? You think, this is tremendous. Well, it is tremendous. The gospel is wonderful. Yes. It is glorious. Or as Peter says, it's joy unspeakable and full of glory. Amen. And it is, isn't it? He says the glory of the power of the power will overshadow you. It will overshadow you. Think about it. And the holy one shall be born and they shall be called the Son of God. You know, Daniel was greatly beloved, a man greatly desired. I mean, God visited Gideon. He said to him, Thou art a mighty man of honor. Poor chap, he was hiding But you know, the word of God comes to you, and it's so fantastic, but you've got to be like Mary. 
you've got to say, be it unto me according to your word. You look at your circumstances, and she said to the Lord, I don't know anybody, I don't know, I've never been with a man. How in the world can I have a son? And you might, and I might say to the Lord, how is this possible? And God says, this is what he says here, he says, for with God nothing shall be impossible. The question is, are you highly favoured? Can you move yourself into a place where you can be highly favoured? I doubt it. I think the only thing we can do is make sure we're not grieving the Holy Spirit. And I think this is the big, big question, isn't it? You know, Paul talks to Timothy. It's in um, in Second Timothy, giving his son, spiritual son, very good advice. says in verse 20 of 2 Timothy 2, but in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and silver but also wood and earth, some to honour and some to dishonour. If a man therefore purge himself from these he shall be a vessel unto honour. Sanctified and meet for the master's use and prepared unto every good work. Now that shows to you that you are going to have to, what Paul says to Timothy, purge yourself. Or take what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 7. these promises. Dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and the spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. I remember saying that to an assistant pastor in the church I was in, and he said, oh, I've never read that. you see, when I got saved, I'm perfect. And I'm complete. And I don't need to do that. When I say, if you don't need to do that, why is it in the Word of God? There's a whole problem here, isn't there? That some people see, and my mother also say this, that when she got into Pentecost, uh, a lot of Methodists joined Pentecost and got baptized in the Spirit, but they brought a lot of old religious junk with them. Instead of getting rid of it, and one of the doctrines was what they call perfectionism. And I've seen some people that think they're perfect, and they're very imperfect. Do you know, I have to get up in the morning, I don't know whether you do, and I sometimes sweat at night, so I better get in the shower. 
and get washed. And I better get shaven because I'll go around looking like a scruff. Well, I don't think we're supposed to go around looking like a scruff when you're a Christian. You're supposed to purge yourself and cleanse yourself. <laughs> I'm not against anybody having a bit of stubble, but that, that's their choice. <laughs> but that's their choice. But I, I'm saying, this, this is serious. I don't think God is going to highly favor somebody like Mary who's walking around like a spiritual scruff. That's all I'm saying. You've got to put yourself right. You know, God has put us in a place and a position in the household of faith. And he's given us all the things that we, could, we need to keep ourselves washed, cleansed, and purged. I do. And, this, and you know, the enemy is going to test you and me on all these points. And we're going to make excuses to say, well, I had a bad day yesterday, so I think I'll have a day off today, and I won't read the Word today, and I won't do my spiritual service today. I think I'll have a, a week of a... I just feel like I'm having a flesh condition, and having a flesh time, and I'll just fool around for a while, and I'll ask for forgiveness. No, God doesn't want you to do that. He wants you to live a consistent life of faith. He wants you to walk by faith and please God. And this is the whole problem for the churches, that we've got to grasp who we are. And this, what amazes me, this Mary, she gets visited, she gets this tremendous visitation from heaven, she bears this child, she brings this child up, and she never seems to fail. She never says one word out of turn. This woman doesn't seem to have any flaw in her character. Do you get what I'm saying? You know, we see other men of God, the God is used or women, but they have flaws. But this woman, no, nothing. She just carries this right through and she's there at the cross and she's probably there at the resurrection. She was probably there at the ascension. Wasn't she? And she was very likely, I'm sure she was in the upper room. Wasn't she? You know, this this is a woman of faith. Mm. Oh yeah, she's the example to us. That when the Holy Spirit is dealing with us, we have to listen to what he's saying and say, be it unto me according to thy word. And the Lord is beginning to teach me. I don't think it's just by chance that I seem to come across Mary. Because, you know, I've read this many times. I've never really considered it much. But I'm coming to see what a woman of courage. What a woman of example. What a woman of character that she could Receive this tremendous vegetation and shut her mouth. And never once do you hear her complaining. The only time you see it is in the wedding in Canaan Galilee, and it's there that it, it, it's revealed to us what Jesus must have been like to live with. 
Thursday being Corinth on Thursday. Any need, Jesus takes it like that. If you could make that amount of wine in one instance like that, that's impossible, but not with God. <laughs> Isn't it? And when we think about how she must have watched Jesus going around, you know, I imagine it, seeing Jesus doing all those signs and miracles and wonders, and thinking, this is this child that I bore. This is this son. He's not my son. He's the son of God. Isn't it wonderful? And just think who you got in you. Paul says it's Christ in you. The hope of glory. Are you going to abort this birth? Or is it going to come forth? Stay. Patience. 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 What does patience do, Paul says? It brings experience. What is experience? You get to know God. You get to hear God. You get to see God. And you think, yes, Lord, this is wonderful. But you've just got to be patient to get experience. And the hope is not ashamed. Because if you can travel that little journey, You'll feel the comfort and power of the Holy Spirit in your life. Paul says the Holy Ghost is shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Ghost. Do you know I'm coming to see that the power of the, of, I believe that Pentecost is the power of the Most High overshadowing the church. It's the power of God coming into the church. And Jesus had to go up to heaven to send that power. And we need the power of the Holy Ghost. We've got to stop thinking that we're the Holy Ghost. We're not. He's a different person. He's other. You know, it's um, Austin Sparks is in that little book Tony gave me. He's other to us. Isn't he? We've got to keep that in our minds. Yes, he uses vessels. But as Timothy says, you've got to be a vessel of honor. Because you can become a vessel of dishonor and get excluded. What happened to Saul? He became a vessel of dishonor. Because he did not go on the word of God. He was anointed, but he lost it. And this is why I remember sitting in a great meeting, a great evangelist back in 1961, and crowds of people there, and this man preached for four hours. Four hours he preached. I thought, when is he going to stop? <laughs> and he had a very good thing to say about certain sections of the church, which I didn't like. Because Henry always taught us, if you've got nothing good to say about somebody, don't say it. <laughs> oh, very strange. And you could feel this anointing. Wait, he got out the anointing to preach for four hours, I can tell you. He got it. <laughs> but you know, at the end I went home, 
And I said to the Lord, well, what was all that about? And the Lord said to me, well, Samson was anointed, but he was going down to Delilah. He said, this man is going down to Delilah, and he's shortly to be judged. I thought, how terrible. And shortly after that, he died. Do you know, you can't grieve the Holy Spirit. We've got to get much more sensitive to the Holy Spirit. And if we in these glory meetings can say, I want Jesus, the Holy Ghost, to come and let Jesus, I've been 10 years to say, when Jesus gets lifted up, people get drawn. What drew would lead to go all the way to Peterhead? You know, Peterhead. It was miles away. And they were sitting in the car for 13 hours. And do you remember, I was younger than what I could do now. When I got there, I could hardly get out the car. I was riveted to the wheel. But it, it was the anointing. It was the joy. It was the power. Would you know, I think, that Mary lived with Jesus for 30 years, and she had a very big privilege. <laughs> she had the anointed one. She had the joy. She had the protection. She had the provision. <laughs> Everything she needed with Jesus in the house. She had really had a wonderful time with Jesus. She had a wonderful time. And you know, you can have a wonderful time with Jesus. <laughs> it's wonderful to know Jesus, isn't it? Isn't he wonderful? Do you know, I just pray that the Holy Ghost will give us a fresh revelation about who Jesus is, isn't it? So I think Mary brings home to us two very important things, two very important things. And this is, if I can find it, what I've written down here. And another point, which I think is very relevant, is that she never met Jesus. This was all by faith. She'd never seen Jesus, had she? But she was to see him. And, and it's, the revelation is who Jesus is and what Jesus can do. It's who Jesus is and it's what Jesus can do in our lives. So I'm praying that I will move up higher. I'm praying that the Holy Ghost will get more control of my life. That I won't want to do what I want to do. But I'll say like Mary, be it unto me according to thy word. And I think we'll have a transformation. We will. We get, we get strengthened. You know, as it's, it's, um, Julia said last night, Jesus has set in motion a completely new law. Hasn't he? Mm. She said, mm. the law of the Spirit of life has set us free from the law of sin and death. That's why your redemption is legal. Signed and sealed 
with the blood of Jesus. And he can't do nothing about it. Satan has been defeated. You just got to keep in union and communion and you'll have dominion. Yes. Lay aside, Paul says, lay aside every weight and every sin that does so easily beset us and run with patience. The race that is set before us. And you are going to have to purge. And you are going to cleanse, have to cleanse yourself from every... See, the sins of the flesh and the sins of the spirit. Do you know that? There's two types of sins. The sin of the flesh, you know what they're all about. And the sins of the spirit are jealousy, envy, pride, bitterness. Look, the enemy is going to try and stop you. Look how he tried to stop Jesus. We've got to understand that Jesus, in his humanity, had to obey God. And it says in Hebrews, he suffered. His humanity suffered. And we will suffer with him. Because if we suffer with him, we will reign with him. And it's not easy for us. Because we get the speed and have that sometimes. <laughs> I've been up with this and all this. You know, don't get like this. What is the Hebrew epistle all about? It's all about these people that got justified, but they couldn't take the treatment of sanctification to get their Canaan type living. Look, I'm supposed to enjoy the presence of God. What did we hear last night? In his presence there is fullness of joy. And at his right hand there are pleasures forevermore. And the enemy says to me, no, God hasn't got any pleasures. He's a liar. God has got all the pleasure. Real pleasure. It's in his presence there's fullness of joy. David said, and at his right hand are the pleasures forevermore. Let's get it straight. Tell the enemy he's a liar. Don't let him rob you of your inheritance in Christ. Don't let him bring you down to his level. You can rise above it and you can reign and sit with him. My, I think Mary, to me, she's outstanding. I can't get over how she kept her mouth shut. That to me is amazing. What a lot of wisdom that is. Didn't God choose the right person? <laughs> Didn't God choose the right person when he chose the Apostle Paul? Saul? Do you think any of the disciples would have chosen Saul? <laughs> God chooses people that annoy people. <laughs> But he chooses them. <laughs> and, and they might not be perfect, but, but Saul, do you know what Andrew Murray says? A wonderful book he's written on the inner life of the Apostle Paul. And he says, next to Christ, he believes the Apostle Paul is the greatest man in Scripture. I've heard another writer say, Moses was the best. So it's all a matter of opinion, I know, but the whole thing about it is, Paul was an example, wasn't he? He wasn't a money launderer, was he? Like some people. He says, I, I maintain to keep myself. Think about it. But haven't we got the richness in his epistles? Read his epistles. Read Colossians. 
read Ephesians, read Thessalonians and Corinthians. Wonderful. Absolute tremendous truth. Just read the whole epistle. And then read another epistle. And then just keep reading them and keep reading them. And eventually the Holy Spirit will start to implant in your heart. As James says, the implanted word that is able to save your soul. To get you through to the Spirit. So that in the Spirit you worship God in the Spirit. So when you come into the house of God, you're not thinking, well, I wonder if the Lord really loves me today. Because, you know, I thought this and I did this. No, you've got to keep in fellowship. Come you? You know? Some people take the whole meeting to get into the meeting. But we should come prepared so we can get into the meeting at the beginning. Isn't that right? Isn't that right? We've got to be prepared. <laughs> you gave prepared for me, didn't you? <laughs> right. We need people who are prepared, don't we? Hallelujah. So praise God. We thank you, Father, this morning that we be together to consider your word. We thank you for your people, Lord. We pray that as we fellowship today, that this day we will spend with you, Lord, and in fellowship with you and one another. We thank you, Lord, for your word, which is a wonderful, saving, healing, and delivering word. In Jesus' name.